it's one thing to be aware of issues. It's another thing to understand. And I think certainly coming from the side of the fence as somebody who has struggled, I feel a lot of people are aware of it. But I have experienced situations where people clearly don't understand. And if we can do anything to bridge that gap, that's a positive for me. Welcome to this special episode of the Vet Times podcast, which is looking forward to BSAVA Congress taking place from the 24th to the 26th of March in Manchester and online. Alison Speakman will be the new president of the BSAVA when she takes over at the annual meeting in May. But before that, she's played quite a leading role in the creation of the Wellbeing Zone at this year's Congress, which is open to anyone attending the event at Manchester Central. Ahead of Congress, Alison joined us to A, look forward to her presidential year and discuss some of her priorities, but B, to share the reasons for why she wanted the Wellbeing Zone to be created and what she hopes delegates will take away from it. How are you, Alison? I am very well. Thank you very much. And thank you for uh, inviting me to have a chat. Fantastic. Pleasure's all mine on that one, especially with Congress a month away just over at the time of recording this. It feels about time with BSAVA, doesn't it, after the challenges of the last two years? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really excited about it. And, I, and it's great to, you know, to be feeling that we're all able to get back face to face again. Obviously, 2020 was, was cut short. We had to do that on demand. Um, and last year was great. We did a, a hugely successful virtual congress, but uh, there's no denying that, that it would be nice to be back to face to face. Although we have got the luxury of, of having the hybrid event this year for those who can't make it face to face, that they'll still be able to fully participate in the hybrid virtual version. I know we're looking forward to it and it's quite an interesting approach as well the hybrid approach. A couple of months after Congress, of course, though, you become BSAVA president. I do, and that's coming around quickly. <laughs> I was going to say, you've been part of the presidential team, so to speak, now for, I think I'm right in saying, two years. Yes. I imagine it's something you're very much looking forward to. I am. I'm really excited about it, but obviously nervous at the same time. Um, it's a huge honour as far as I'm concerned, um, but equally a huge responsibility. Um, will certainly be a change of scene from the consulting room. So, uh, yeah, so it'll be a, a complete change for me, but, but looking forward to the challenge. Are you taking a break from the consult room for the year or are you going to try to balance the two roles? Pretty much, yeah. I've got the option to kind of dip in and out of odd days at work if I need to, but sort of as far as I'm concerned, my time is devoted to BSAVA next year and you know, making the most of that opportunity and, you know, hopefully letting the profession sort of get back to more more normal stage of things, if we can, hopefully, um, after the, the two difficult years we, we've all had with the pandemic. How do you think the fact that you've been in clinics this week as we record, how do you think that's going to influence your presidential year in terms of your priorities and your aims and objectives? Um I think certainly we would like to to see a return of face to face events, and certainly for us, the regional meetings they they provide a really valuable sense of community, and that that's one of our key strategic pillars within the organisation. Um, we all know, you know, 
We've had feedback to say that certain members of the profession have felt isolated, have felt lonely, and, you know, trying to alleviate that, you know, by the sense of community that, that we're lucky enough for our regional um, activities to, to afford us um, is something I'm really keen for us to, to start to get back to. Um, we will, of course, still continue to do some virtual and online um, stuff. We've got um, the new diagnostic rounds um, setup, which has been great. Um, it's a free member benefit um, and, and is really interactive, really good. And then the regions now um, forum that we started, again, has been hugely successful and has allowed really widespread access because we do appreciate that there are some times when people just can't travel long distances to get to meetings. And so it's, it's trying to make you know, membership available to, to wherever you are, whether you're on a remote island or you know, in the middle of the city centre. And I think for me, the opportunity to promote and facilitate some positive mental health and well-being, um, I think that's had an impact on us all the last two years um, and making sure that we can all you know, stay positive, enjoy the job, continue doing what we do very well as a profession. Um, you know, I think I'd like to see that that big positive lift coming coming back to us all. Um, and then obviously the, the other thing that, that's very relevant at the moment that we're in the process of developing is continuing to expand our sustainability profile as well. So I think those are the three main areas that I'd like to, to see pushing forward. But underpinning that obviously is our existing you know, strategy of um, the education and science and community that, that we really set our stall by. Fantastic. We'll revisit the well-being element of your priorities there in a bit because there's a key feature coming up at Congress that people will be keen to learn about. But before that, a little bit about yourself. Why did you get involved with the BSAVA in the first place? Purely accidentally, if I'm really honest. Which is what everyone says to me. Yeah. <laughs> I guess as a new graduate, I started going to regional CPD meetings Um Partly to, you know, because I was interested in the topics they were covering, but but partly because it was a great way to meet other people um, in the, because I'd moved to just a slightly different area from, from my normal sort of friendship group. So it was a great way to kind of meet other people socially as well um, as professionally. And I just found it was a great atmosphere you know as well as going and, and doing a bit of CPD we'd have a you know coffee and a snack and, and just a real good chat about things and I just felt very welcome and very included and part of something so a couple of years after doing lots of regional CPD I, I joined the committee there um, and, and joined Saturn regional committee and then from there I moved on to volunteering on education committee and it's just kind of rolled from there. I've been on various committees over the years and many, many years later, here I am. Excellent. And I'm sure as part of that, you'll be suggesting and recommending that fellow members of the profession get involved as well. Because when people start working with the BSABA and volunteering by accident, as you said, it seems that once you start, you don't stop. It's certainly a little bit addictive for some bizarre reason. Um, and, and I would encourage anybody who, who is interested in, you know, 
being part of our volunteer network, please, please get in touch. There are loads and loads of opportunities. You know, I speak to a lot of people who say, oh, I can't possibly do that. I'm not good enough. And that it's got nothing to do with that. All you need is a passion for it. You know, you need to be a member of BSAVA with a passion to be involved in the association um, and to come together as members and, and be at the heart of developing things for our members. Um, don't be shy. There's, there's loads of different opportunities from regional things onto committees such as publications, education, there's micro-volunteering opportunities. Um, it, it's, it's great fun. You get to meet people, you get to network, um, and it gives you the chance to, to you know, really input as well. So I'm all for it, albeit biased. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's excellent. And people have to start somewhere as well. And like you said, for you, that was a regional meeting. And who knows, that could be Congress for someone else, couldn't it? Yeah. Attending Congress or talking to someone. Yeah, and there's, there's, loads, there's opportunities at Congress. There is a volunteers um, area at Congress. So if, you, if people are interested, you know, please come over and, and speak to the lovely Carol, um, who will be there, our volunteers manager. And, you know, please come and get, get involved. You know, we, we all started from having done nothing for BSABA. So, you know, and you can be as involved as you want to or not. Everyone starts somewhere, don't they? Any more particular highlights for you in the programme for this year's Congress? You mentioned additionally, obviously, to the volunteer zone, as we've just discussed. Um, do you know, I'm just ridiculously excited about it because it's just, it's so new and, and so revamped from what people think of as a traditional Congress. So, We've kind of split it into zones this year. You've got the traditional kind of lecture zone, um, which is the, the kind of lecture format that people are used to, albeit um, shorter lectures with questions and answers. But we've got um, a really interactive debate and discussion zone. There's um, an experience, experiential zone where we'll be doing um Things like a day in the life of, so will be a, a day in the life of anesthesia dramas, for example, where you can look through, as well as the clinical aspects, some of those non-clinical aspects, like when problems arise and that. So it's, it's a very realistic take through sort of the whole experience. So, and we have a different one of those every day. Um, really excited about the practical zone as well. We've, we've got um, drop-in practical zones where delegates can dip in and out. It's open to all. There's no additional booking or charge for it. Um, and there's loads of things going on in there. So some examples are there's some film reading, there's some cytology, some CPR, there's, and a lot more besides that. So there's just so, so many different aspects that, that we can go into. And then most of it's kind of built around this, this lovely, huge exhibition space as well that we've got, which has its own exhibition theatre that um, some, of, some of our industry partners can present their own lectures in. But also just we've, we've been overwhelmed by the support of our um, exhibitors this year. We've, we've sold out all the space and really, really grateful for their support, um, you know, at the, the Congress for what has been a, a difficult few years for them as well. So that's, there's going to be loads going on in the exhibition hall. Excellent. Is there a little known fact about our new president that some people don't know or may be intrigued to know or learn? That's probably not that many I could admit to, to be honest with you, that uh, 
<laughs> Do you recall my, my very first patient success was uh, hatching an abandoned duck egg from a local farmyard as a child and uh, much to the displeasure of my mum and dad who suddenly found that we'd got a family pet duck in the house that um, stayed with us for many years and they used to dread what I brought home. Is that where the the, the, the veterinary started then? I really don't know. I mean, I, I just had a passion for animals from a ridiculously early age and, and would read to the local stray cat. I used to read at Chicken Licking, sitting in the uh, in the back garden, according to my mum. <laughs> um, yeah, I, if I found anything vaguely injured, injured or looking like a waif and stray, I would inevitably turn up home with it and have to have my poor parents forcibly remove it from me whilst they got it appropriate help that didn't involve a four or five-year-old. <laughs> but it obviously led to something, didn't it? And now you're championing it for the next 12 months through the presidency. And um, yeah, great fun ahead. Yeah, no, I think we're, we're, we're incredibly lucky with the job we do. I mean, I know it, it has its challenges, but, but as do all jobs, you know, but, but the, uh, that ability to make a difference to an animal's life, I think is, is priceless. And, you know, we're so lucky in, in our profession to, to be able to do that. Brings us on quite nicely, actually, to talking more about the wellbeing zone that's going to be at Congress and a key feature of it this year because you've played a leading role in putting this together. So tell us why you were keen to get this started and create an area specific for wellbeing. First of all, I think although I was really, really keen to to get this going, I have to acknowledge the the enormous amount of work that's been done by by Sarah Fitzpatrick at BSAVA in in coordinating coordinating getting this zone you know up and running um and I'm hugely excited by it uh, if I'm honest my, my reasons are, are partly personal um that over probably about 25 years I have had issues with my, maintaining my own mental health um I spent many years denying it then many years hiding it because I felt it carried a bit of stigma. I felt that the, you know, people would think lesser of me for it. Um, and then feeling so relieved when I actually got to the stage where I, I could open up about it and, and realise that actually it wasn't the only one and, and an awful lot of people um, shared, you know, at least similar experiences. So, you know, I am aware of the enormous damage that it can do if it's not addressed um, and we don't kind of bite the bullet and, and face it ourselves. But but equally, I'm aware how, how difficult that, that can be. Um, and so my idea with the, the wellbeing zone is, is that, you know, we encourage people to look at their own mental health and wellbeing challenges. It's not just about mental health. And to just realise that it's something that affects us all. We all have, we all have mental health. Where you sit on the spectrum of how good or otherwise your mental health is can vary for any one of us. Um, and whilst yes, I, I acknowledge I have issues and, and need to to work to maintain mine. Even those people who have the most wonderful mental health, if you don't look after it, you can find yourself you know, sliding down that, that mental health wellness spectrum. So it is relevant to everybody. Um, but I'm just hoping that it 
it's a place where people can go and feel comfortable regardless of of the the mental health and well-being status both to to help them do something positive to maintain their own and manage their own circumstances but also for those who just want some more information about it what they can do to prevent and protect themselves but also how they can help others and understand how it can affect others we certainly echo your sentiments and your words behind that do you think the pandemic has magnified the need for this it's been an issue for years hasn't it yeah and i suppose the pandemic possibly put a bit more of a spotlight on it because there was a more general question about mental health as a population rather than a profession yeah and i think it's quite a complex area i think as you as you said there that you know that the profession has always been acknowledged to have potentially a slightly higher incidence of of mental health health issues and and unfortunately suicide rates compared to to some other professions so that that side of things is, is certainly not new um however i think you know and and we're, we're by no means the only profession as in many professions during the pandemic there, there's been an increase in pressures um you know partly financially as well you know the the issues of furlough the issues of redundancy the issues of you know those who own and manage veterinary practices being faced with 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 balancing the financial aspects of that you know there's that's a huge pressure but then equally you've you've got the the emotional pressures of the high workload increasing pet numbers having to go work outside particularly through the winter months frustration amongst clients staff shortages all the rest so when you kind of roll it all together i, I suspect i think there probably has been you know certainly an increase in in pressure but I, equally i don't think we're the only profession to to face that um but it's certainly compounded levels of pressure for for many people within the profession and i think it's important we acknowledge that and and, and try and address it to the best of our abilities agreed and you make a very good point actually within that as well that well-being it's more than just mental, isn't it? You mentioned the financial, you mentioned the extra strain that furlough, for example, on people. There's then the physical element. And I imagine it's the challenge of bringing everything into an equilibrium that we're all comfortable with. That's kind of like the key area and emphasis. Yeah. And like I say, I think mental health does does play a big part of it. But, you know, we have, we have lots and lots of members of the profession who have other chronic health issues and, and it's, it's equally as difficult for them we have um issues with you know dare i say it diversity and um you know equality and, and that's something that that we're keen to make sure that um it is addressed in all aspects of, of life full stop um and we're, we're really grateful in setting up this this well-being zone that, that we've got at Congress to, to have the support of um, the, the British Veterinary Chronic Illness Support Group, British Veterinary LGBT Plus Group, the British Veterinary Ethnicity and Diversity Society. Um, so they've, they've all come on board. And alongside that, you know, we've, we've got the unfailing um, support and, and backing of, of um, Royal College Mind Matters Initiative and Vet Life um, and BVA have supported us with some of their work uh, workplace stuff as well. So, 
you know, the, the profession is really coming together on this to, to make sure that all aspects of well-being are, are being approached. Uh, and I think that, that's really important to acknowledge that. Fantastic to hear that everyone has come on board to back the zone. So what events, activities, lectures, initiatives can we actually expect from the well-being zone at the event? So the, the, the zone will be again located in the exhibition hall, but as a kind of its own sort of little separate area so that it will be sort of a, a provided a nice quiet place uh, as well for people. Um, and I would encourage all delegates to, to really come and pay it a visit, regardless of your, your reason, reason of interest. Um, there'll be some practical activities. So there'll be some early morning yoga sessions. There'll be some sessions on breathing exercises, which, you know, again, regardless of, of your position, are, are really helpful um, things to do. Uh, there'll be some workshops um, where the Mind Masters Initiative will discuss the, the Kite Wellbeing app, how to use it and, and how to get the best of that. And then there'll be a series of kind of short um, sort of lecture type um, sessions in there as well. Again, that are relevant to all. Um, really good one on pacing yourself. You know, this trying not to be all things to all people and, and going for the bust and boom approach, which a lot of us have the tendency to do. Um, and that's really good, whether, you know, you, you, you have a mental health illness, whether you've got chronic physical illness, that there's something for everybody there. And some energy saving life hacks, which I'm really interested to, to learn about. I suspect I can pick up a few tips there. Um, just trying to reduce that risk of, of burnout and just just help with with managing on a day-to-day -day basis and a really good one that, that I think probably applies to all vets I've ever met of feeding the busy person as well um, just I think we're all guilty of surviving unhelpfully on inordinate amounts of caffeine and chocolate through the day so some tips on making easy changes when you're under that time pressure to actually eat in a healthier manner that that in turn can have a, have a real impact on um, your well-being. And skipping meals, I guess, on there as well, because that's always a common one I hear. Yeah, we've, we've got some good sessions on neurodiversity um, and, and just that the importance of, of realising that, you know, just because you're from a different neurodiverse background doesn't mean to say you're, you're you know, any less capable or, or any less of a person as a result of that. Um, and a really important one that I would encourage people to attend is um, active allyship. So there's some interactive sessions on how to respond and support your colleagues when they're faced with things like discrimination in practice. Um, there's a session on healthy workplaces. Um, and then there'll be some informal Panel chats, which uh, again are supported by Mind Matters. Uh, those people have been to the Mind Matters campfire. So again, on diversity, flexible working, reflecting on pandemic changes. You know what, what what part of pandemic changes are actually worth keeping, and which can we not wait to bin? So um, that, there's really there's, there's something for everybody in there in, in all different formats, and, and you know I think it's important to realise that. You know, sometimes the non-clinical aspects of the profession are just as important to keep up to date with as, as our clinical learnings. 
perhaps more important at the minute, aren't they? As we've discussed everything that's been going on in the past few years with the profession and in society in general. This, of course, is going to be virtual as well, isn't it? There's going to be options available for people who attended virtually. There will be some of the the yoga and breathing exercises will be virtual because of the sensitivity of, you know, people who want to open up and discuss um, some of their own experiences that will not be recorded um, to respect that. So the the bulk of of the um, well-being zone will be in person, will be face-to-face just by the nature of of the content really just to to respect everybody's level of what they're happy being shared completely understandable isn't it what do you hope delegates take away from the zone if there's one thing that you could recommend twofold really i suppose i think for those who feel that they do have challenges um to feel that they they are supported and that they're able to open up and know where to go to get that advice and support um, and also to take away some positive tools um, from what we're presenting to be able to to protect and improve their own mental health. Um, And then secondly, for those who are fortunate not to have any challenges, for them to have a greater understanding of, of what colleagues might be facing so that they can be an effective ally and support and, and know how to flag concerns um, again, also to protect them, their own mental health and, and enjoy being at you know that 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 high functioning level that, that they're at. Because I think to it's, it's a very difficult gap to bridge for me. Um, it, it's one thing to be aware of issues; it's another thing to understand. And I think certainly coming from the side of the fence as, as somebody who has struggled. I feel a lot of people are aware of it, but I have experienced situations where people clearly don't understand. Um, and if we can do anything to bridge that gap, that that's a positive for me. I couldn't agree more. And I'm talking from experience there as well. I think one thing I've probably learned is it's different for everyone in terms of how they respond to the help and understanding and yeah, I imagine sometimes, and this is what I've learned, it's as simple as just listening to someone and talking to someone, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah. I think one of the, the key things is, is you've, you've identified there is, is that ability to listen. What we don't want to do or, or we don't want to profess to do in the wellbeing zone is we're not offering necessarily how to fix it. It's how you can make adjustments in your lifestyle that should help, but also to know when you actually need more professional help as well. Um, so it's more about how things we can put in place to prevent and protect ourselves, but acknowledging that sometimes, you know, if you listen to somebody at work and, and they're clearly having issues, there may be a time when you acknowledge you need to flag that to, you know, getting more professional help on board but just listening to somebody is is the the biggest thing you can do and be non-judgmental i could not agree more do you expect because of the complexity of this issue and the growing awareness of well-being do you think 
events going forward are going to place the well-being discussion, so to speak, more kind of front and centre of their events and their offerings? This is not just BSAVA centric. This is, you know, this is profession wide, isn't it, at the end of the day? Yeah, I mean, I'd love this to be a regular feature of, of Congress. I think, you know, we all recognise um, and love the fantastic clinical CPD that we've all come to to love Congress for. Um, and, and it brings a huge range of opportunities for clinical CPD. But I do believe it's important to recognise and improve our knowledge as a profession of some of these other non-clinical aspects that can impact our satisfaction and happiness in, in the job we do and the amazing profession we're part of. I think it's time we had some good news and, and we're able to, to create some positivity in the profession. Um, but to do that, we, you know, we have to acknowledge and be able to put things in place to, to help the situations people sometimes find themselves in. And that leads on to what's probably our final discussion point for the wellbeing zone that do you have wider aims and ambitions for well-being across the profession and how we go about increasing that awareness and increasing that support and making sure that there are people out there who can help can listen and make sure this isn't an issue that keeps going on for years and years to come yeah i think coming back to something I've already said, really, is that awareness and understanding, not, not just awareness. Um, that, that's a big, a big one for me. Um, and anything that we can do with that, I think we're, we're really lucky in the profession and that we've got so many, as, as putting the, the wellbeing zone together has shown us, we've just got so many different arms of the profession who are all working in conjunction with one another and collaborating to to try and tackle this. So, you know, and, and I think particularly for those in difficulty, vet life is such a superb facility that we we have, as, you know, as a charity, and it relies entirely on, on charitable donations. BSAVA are really honoured to, to support vet life. They do an amazing job under very difficult circumstances. Um, and I, I think anything the profession can do to encompass awareness and, and hopefully help people so that they don't end up in the stage where they need to to contact that life as their, their first point, anything that we can put in stone to just help people on that, that way um, by working with you know people like the Royal College, Mind Matters Initiative and Chronic Illness Support and all the other groups I've alluded to um, would, would be really good. Um, so I'd, I'd like, hopefully, just to get to a situation where, where anybody who does feel like they, they have a, a struggle or a challenge to feel that they, they, they can openly talk at work about it. Um, I would love to see a mental health first aider at every practice and workplace. Um, and just that importance of, of producing a healthy workplace where that level of understanding, where people sometimes are very quick to judge somebody for their actions without realising if those actions are precipitated by an underlying difficulty somewhere. So just that stop, think, you know, and, and, and ask before, you know, you make a decision because there may be more to, to what's going on than, than people realise. And, and I think that's incredibly important. Um, and I think if we can do that and, and start to address 
people's mental health and other challenges um, such as chronic chronic illness, we, we will increase satisfaction um, in our job. And in turn, that, that will hopefully help with the retention and recruitment and, and can only be a positive upward cycle for me. So that's my big wish. <laughs> No, that's fantastic. The phrase thrown through my head listening to you is that it would be win-win, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing to lose by by talking about it, understanding it, and just, you know, that, that be kind mantra that I know circulates widely is is, is an absolute one to, to adhere to. Hear, hear. And as a result of this, I'm sure the wellbeing zone will be one of the more popular bits of Congress. And we hope it is as well, because seeing people wanting to get involved and wanting to discuss is only positive, isn't it? Alison, it's been fantastic to catch up. It's been lovely to meet you, Tom. And you. It's been uh, fantastic to look forward to Congress, learn more about some of your objectives. And we look forward to seeing you and everyone else at Congress in a couple of weeks. Really looking forward to meeting you there, Tom. Thanks very, very much for your time. Take care. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.